You're listening to a message from Streams Church in Litchfield Park, Arizona. For more content, visit streamschurch.org. Um, we've been doing an amazing series that's going to conclude. We'll see if it concludes as amazing as it started, but... Uh, je- je- uh... Our young leaders, um, Alan and his young friend, Mr. Davis, did a great job of kicking off this service. And what they talked about in Philippians 1, we heard Josh share about how Paul was willing to experience short-term inconveniences. That's what he considered prison in Rome. A short-term inconvenience because he saw the long-term reward that was occurring. And so Josh challenged us to have a perspective that when we make decisions, we don't just look at the short-term ramification, but we look at the long-term. In Philippians 2, we continued on, and Alan shared about the life of Jesus and how here was a king of kings, and he was willing to lay down his rights as king of the world, as God, to come and speak into our lives. To give His life so that we could have every life. And He challenged us to lay down our rights, our benefits, so that we could have voice into people's life. Just like they're doing in Japan right now. Philippians 3, last week, I talked about, do you live a life where you fill positions? Are you filling a life of purpose? And so I challenged you at the end of that message, if you recall, to ask yourself, Am I somebody that has, what is the purpose I have in my family? What is the purpose God has called me to in my wife's life? That's a lot different than saying I'm the husband of Annie. But when I ask God, what is the purpose? Why have you put me in Annie's life? Other than to punish her, obviously, for not praying a lot when she was. What is the purpose? What is the purpose at Streams Church? What is my purpose in that workplace? And so today we're going to wrap up and we're going to go over those last details. Paul wrote one letter to the Philippians. And so he gives just these last bits of wisdom as he sits in prison. These last things that he wants them to hold on to. And so we're going to talk through them and see what God's calling us to. You know, I don't know why, but I've obviously had travel on my mind because I've got another uh, airplane analogy this morning. And so I don't know, Brian Wilson, he's in our congregation, flies for U.S. Air. He's kind of cool. I've seen him at the airport with his uniform, and it it looks very manly. Um, Annie did ask me to borrow that uniform, but I don't know what she had planned. Um, But... uh, It's just so cool. And so for some reason, flights have been on my mind. And so I started thinking about my flying. And when you get on the plane, I have like one thing that I'm required to do. What's the one thing you're required to do on an airplane? Fasten your seatbelt. And so I started thinking about what are those times when we fasten our seatbelt on a plane, and then I was really cool, so it's an analogy, in life also. And I found there were three times where we need to fasten our seatbelt. The first one is on takeoff. It's necessary to fasten your seatbelt. They not only have the lady tell you to do it, have the light blinking above you, but they come around and look down the row. Sir, can you move your hands? Whoa, yeah, nothing to... just what, To verify that you fasten your seatbelt on takeoff. And I started thinking about that in the spiritual. And I say, God, when I'm starting things, when I'm running towards a new goal, 
That's a time to fasten my seatbelt. That's a time where I need to get close to you. Where I need to hear your voice. Because you're setting a vision. You're, you're giving and revealing the calling and the path that I'm going to have to walk. And so in times where we take off on new adventures, it's important to fasten your seatbelt and to sit real close to God. The second time we fasten our seatbelt on an airplane... When it's getting ready to crash, or, or hopefully not, not crash, but, but to land. The good thing about airplanes, they always come down. One way or the other, you will eventually be down. And so they recommend again that you fasten your seatbelt. Now, as a rule breaker by nature, I've figured out some ways. So they don't know if it's actually on or not. Um, but I don't think they're really concerned with my stupidity. But, but I looked at this in the spiritual realm. And I said, when I'm coming in to the end of a mission, when I'm coming in to the end of a process, maybe you started school and you're getting to the end, and you look at it and you're like, this isn't where I thought I was going to go. Annie had this great, dark, handsome, average height man that was her goal. And she gets to the end and God gives her a Polish man. And, and she goes, what happened, God? I'm like, Annie, that's a time where you need to fasten your seatbelt. You know, because it never quite works out the way we think it's going to. Do you remember being 17, 18 years old and telling people what you were going to become when you grew up? Did anybody get that? Anyone? No. Oh, one. Uh, You're better than all. No, but one of us out of 120 people, one of us got there. I was going to be president of the world. I don't even think I'm going to ever be president of my bank. I'm not sure why they let me be a vice president. So there's just no chance. I didn't even want to be in banking. I wanted to be in politics. I wanted to do fun stuff, not count people's money. But but it's so far off. And so I think we have these grand plans. And we start off, we take off with these grand visions. And God said, Jason, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to provide in such a way that you're going to be able to walk in a spiritual calling at work, but you're also going to be able to walk in a spiritual calling at church. It's going to be perfect. But if he told me it was going to be a bank, I'd have bailed. But now I get here and I'm like, God, thank you that I was fastened my seatbelt. That I was hooked in to the finish line of the calling that you had in that area. The third time, and I find that people don't think of this one as optional. It's when we get into those times of turbulence. And if you always notice, very rarely are they predictable. Every once in a while, you'll get somebody to come on. He'll go, hey, we're probably going to get into some turbulence. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. But a lot of times you're in the bathroom. And I don't know if you've experienced a bathroom at six foot five, but planes curve like this. And so in a bathroom... I'm standing. I have to curve like this to use it. And I find that's always when the turbulence happens. (laughs) That's when I slam against the back door, stumble around. The turbulence hits. And the thing about turbulence is you're not in control. The captain isn't in control. All he can do is say, sit down, say some prayers, get right with God, and put that seatbelt on. Because I'm not quite sure when it's going to end. I was surprised when it started, obviously. 
And so we're going to go through some bumpy rides for the next few minutes. Has anybody ever experienced that in life? And you find out a couple of things. Number one, you don't control when it ends, do you? Man, if you're in financial issues, you can put together the best plan ever. But you can't really control the finish line. You might have lost your job. When I lost my job, man, I had no idea when the next job was coming. It was a time of turmoil. And man, that turbulence just kept coming. And so I found in this mid-flight seatbelt check of life is where I need God the most. Is where it is not optional. I want to be buckled into the Spirit of God. And so we look at Paul's letter in the fourth chapter of Philippians. And we find that he's saying, look guys, I'm going to give you three things. Because when the turmoil comes, I'm not going to be able to tell you how long it's going to last. I'm not going to be able to tell you if everybody's going to be there at the end of it. I'm not going to be able to tell you when it begins and help you prepare for it. But I can give you three things that you can call on in the middle of the storm. Seatbelts that you can put on that will make sure you stay in the hands of God. And so I wanted to share those this morning. If you go to Philippians 4, verse 4 is where we're going to start. It says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, times like this are times where you need to rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. And remember, Jesus Christ, your Lord, is coming. You do know what the finish line looks like. This is just a chapter in your book. But you know what the finish line looks like. And so Paul reminds us of the first rule of fight, not fight club, but the first rule of seatbelt checks is to rejoice in every circumstance. To make sure that we don't attach our joy to our circumstances because we're going to go through times of great highs and great lows. And God says you can rejoice through all of it. One should never be the second. Five years ago, July 2nd, I lost my grandpa. He was going in for a routine surgery. They were just checking on some cancer that they felt they had gotten rid of. And so I didn't even go over to say goodbye or good luck with the surgery because it was routine, right? And he never woke up. And so he gets out of the surgery and the kidneys start shutting down. His brain's not coming back like it should. And so for four days we do a prayer vigil at that hospital. My uncle and I take the night shift. And so every night from 10 o'clock at night till 6 in the morning, we stay up worshiping and praying for my grandpa to come back, to wake up, for his kidneys to turn back on. Man, I wasn't prepared for it. It just happened. Kind of caught me off guard. But when my family feels pressure, we go full in. We belt in and say, God, I'm standing here. And it was so cool. Because <clears throat> we get to the end of it. My grandpa ends up passing on the day shifts. Watch, by the way, not on the night shifts. <laughs> I keep score on everything. 
I knew you'd care. And the nurse comes and talks to my grandma. They've taken the body away. A really nice Jewish lady that had been there through a lot of the days. And she said, you know what? I've seen a lot of families battle for a loved one that's dying. That's pretty common. People will play worship music. People will pray. People are really polite to us during that time for the most part. He said, she said, but when they die, it changes. And there is such a depression. They become so morose. Anger can come out during those times. Fear that just starts bubbling up about the unknown now that a loved one is lost. And she said to my grandma, she said, you guys were the same when you were fighting as you were when he died. I heard the same prayers of thanksgiving to God both times. That was an amazing testimony to that lady of what a Christian family should look like. God's saying, when you go through these times, you need to buckle into me because I'll be your joy. But number two, people are watching. People are seeing, did you live that time in fear? Or did you live that time believing that your God that you brag about during the good times is the same God in the bad times? And when it doesn't go your way, you don't have a second plan. He's still the good God. Paul wanted to make sure they knew that. Because he knew he was going to die someday and there were going to be tough times. Continuing on, Philippians 4. Must be allergies up here. A lot of plants or something. I'm tearing up today. (laughs) Philippians 4, 6, it says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace. It will exceed anything you'll be able to understand. His peace is going to guard your heart. God understands during times of attack, during times of turmoil, your heart is at risk. Bitterness could set in. He's saying, pray. Be in such close relationship with me. Don't put up walls because I want to protect your heart. I want to continue to speak my truths to your mind so you don't begin to believe lies about me. And remember, you live in Christ Jesus. You know, right now, you you probably don't know him, but I have a best friend that's in a foreign country that's pretty sick right now. And I talk to him through email and Skype every day. And you know what? I don't know because he's such a great man of God. Again, you guys don't know him, but but I do. But he's a great man of God. I doubt, but it could happen that he could be worried about ever getting well and getting back to full strength. Because when you sit in a bed for 20 days, man, your mind comes under attack. You know what? He could start getting worried about coming back to the church and finding out his young leaders. I think he still considers me one of the young leaders. Have messed it all up. The church is half. No tithe is coming in. He could worry about, gosh, what are those plans that I can't cover right now? What are the, I have to shut it down so my body can win this infection. How do you take three weeks off from thinking, of preparing, of being an intense person when you are a man who loves the intensity of life? 
And you know, with every email that he sends me, not worrying about these things, but, but just fun emails about how enjoyable it is to sit in a bed and, and watch Japanese TV. <laughs> I tell him, don't worry. Your papa's with you. He says he's spending so much time just worshiping God right now. Because he needs to remind his mind that God's protecting it. He needs to put his seatbelt on, get closer in that relationship so that he can hear the words of affirmation. God's saying, you know what? I love you right now just as much as when you're doing amazing things at Streams Church. God's saying, Lloyd, fasten that seatbelt. It's not safe to move around the cabin right now. It's a little bumpy. But I'm going to protect your heart. I'm going to protect your mind. Just stay in relationship with me. Isn't that cool? On our worst days, God wants to be closer. But how many of us on our worst days, we feel shame. We begin to believe the lies. And so we run away. And we stop listening to his voice. Oh, nobody here. I know I do that. Philippians 4, 8, it says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, I give you one final thing. This is the last thing, guys. Get it. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable, what is... This is describing Annie. It, what, think about those things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice everything that I've taught you, everything that you've learned and received from me, everything you've heard and saw me do, you can do too. Then the God of peace is going to be with you. Last night we celebrated Don Bassett's birthday. Don, if you'd stand up. Come on, let's give it 40 years. Woo! A man that wears a badge that says, happy birthday to me, I'm 40, obviously wants public um, applause. So I was just, it was obvious, so I I called it out. It's cool, if you don't know Don and Val, um, Don's been an elder, he's running men's ministry, he works with your kids. He, he is just an amazing man of God. Val runs our women's ministry. And when Lloyd and I were starting this church... Lloyd had known them from his time in the youth group at Valley Cathedral. And so we did a special recruiting lunch date with them to say, hey, we're starting a church in the West Valley. Will you come be part of it? And so we got them. We got our five-star recruit. And it's just been so cool having them in our church and seeing the growth of them and their kids. And so last night I was praying and I'm like, God, I want something really cool to put in his birthday card. I want a word from you. And God gave me Colossians 1 for him. It was like six verses. I've never written that long in my life. Love letters to Annie, maybe, but that was a long time ago. And so I was starting to get writing cramp, but I finished the six verses God gave me. And I said, God, what are you saying? Because this is kind of a prayer that Paul's praying for the Colossians. He's saying, wouldn't it be great if you guys were people that were worthy? If you were people that were righteous? If you were people of strength and character? I'm like, are you asking me to ask for that for Don? And God said, no. <laughs> Jason, Jason, Jason. He says that sometimes. 
He said, Jason, I'm a farmer. And I only water those seeds that I've already planted in a man. Isn't that cool? He said, read these verses and then speak to Don and tell him, God says you are worthy. You are powerful. You are mighty. And yep, I'm going to agree with God that he wants to make you mightier, more powerful, more patience. Before he just had to be patient because he was dealing with our kids. Now he's doing men's ministry. God, he needs more patience. He said, Jason, water the seeds that are already growing in his life. And so I look at these verses in Philippians and I see what Paul's doing. He's saying, fix your thoughts on truth and honor and being righteous. And Paul's saying, I want to affirm you right now. I want to say when I was there, when you sent me gifts, I saw that you are honorable people. That you are righteous. That you walk in a character, in a purity. Your worship is lovely to me. I admire your moxie. I like that word. Just keep putting it into practice because I want to grow it even bigger. I want to do even more. And so this is why it's so important during these times where we put on our seatbelt that we stay in relationship with God because I'm telling you, He's affirming you and He's reminding you of the skills that you have to carry you through this time. And so I got done with Philippians 4. I just started praying. I said, God, I feel there's a lie in the church today that keeps us from remembering to buckle our seatbelts during these times. There's a lie that makes people leave the church during times of woe. People start having marriage trouble. They come to us once and then they quit. It isn't because they found a better church that has better marital counseling. How many of you know that? It's because there's such shame. Instead of buckling their seatbelt saying, I'm going to live in community with people, the people God's put in my life. I'm going to live in community with God. I'm going to be there earlier to worship. I'm staying both services to be in the presence of God. I want to hear His voice for my marriage. Instead, they run away in shame. And so I said, God, there's got to be a lie here. And God spoke this to my heart. He said, Jason, my people believe in their hearts that God loves them more, that God loves me more when I'm blessing them. Don't we feel love when God blesses us? When our number comes up, when we get the promotion, when we have the baby, when we find the perfect spouse, don't we feel blessed? Is it hard to know that God loves you during those times? He said, but Jason, here's the lie. He said, those same people believe I love them less when I don't bless them. When they see this time of turmoil. Man, Jason, a lot of times, it's just the journey to the blessing. You know, when I ride on an airplane and there is no turbulence, there is also no story at the end of that flight. <laughs> I get off it and somebody asks, how was your flight? I go, it was swell. But when you get the flight where it's like a roller coaster, fly into Chicago sometime, man, it can be ups and downs as you're going over Lake Michigan and it, it's left and right. Remember the story Lloyd told us about the atheist that sat in between us on our way to a conference in Chicago. She was holding both of our hands because she was so scared. 
But man, it made a great story, didn't it? And we all got out alive. And we went on to have a fantastic conference. And God's saying, sometimes the journey is more important than the destination. That's when you get to buckle into me and know that I love you. And so God showed me Romans 8.35. The New Living Translation just aces this. And so if you put it up on the screen, I want you to think this in your heart right now. Can anything ever separate you from Christ's love? Make it less. Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have troubles? If people die? If we're persecuted? If we're hungry? If we're destitute? If we're in danger? If we've been threatened? If death is coming, do you think God loves you less? Who can answer that question and say, yep, I've thought that sometimes. God does love me a little bit less today. Nobody in this service. Man, I thought that was going to go better. (laughs) Romans 8, 37 through 39, he responds. He says, no, despite all those things you just listed, Jason, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. And I am convinced, Paul says, that nothing can ever separate you from God's love. Nor death, nor life, angels, nor demons, fears for today, worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell will ever separate you from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us. From the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's no way to separate you. God doesn't love you a little more or a little less because of what happened yesterday. And I'm telling you, I've believed that lie. And despite the hand raising that didn't occur, I think some of you have too. And so as the worship team comes up, I want to do it a little bit different today. We're going to dim the lights. And one of the cool things that having Joella Don Bassett's mama in the church has taught us about is about how God wants to heal hearts sometimes. And the way God does it is He helps us identify the lie we've believed. I believe as a church and as a Christian people, we've believed some lies about how much God loves us based on if things are going well or if they're not going so well. Anybody believe that? Man, you guys are quiet. And so we're going to take a moment and I want you to bow your heads and ask God, what lie have you believed about how He loves you today? And then this is the coolest part. When God's healing stuff in your heart, He doesn't want to just identify the lie. He wants to begin to speak truth where that lie once lasted. And so the second part of this prayer is going to be you as we worship, listening to Papa and saying, God, I'm having trouble here. I haven't believed that you love me here. What's the truth, God? And let him speak to your heart today. Father God, I thank you that we come before you. And we say that, man, there's some lies we believed about you. There's some times in our life where we didn't feel lovable. Where we felt like we missed it. Marriages that were broken. Promises that weren't kept. 
times where we've sinned, times where we've pushed your grace to the breaking point we thought. And so we've said in our hearts, God, you can't love us here. You don't trust us here anymore. And God, we want to give you those things today and confess that that's a lie sown by the enemy. Just break those right now. God, I confess the lie that I believe that my promotion shows how much you love me in the workplace. God, I confess the lie that I believe my kids are a reflection of your love for me. How well they do in school. How well they perform at church. God, that was a lie. You just love me. You just want me to fulfill the purpose and the calling for their lives. God, I confess the lie that my marriage has to look like everything's alright all the time. Because you might not love me as much and people might not respect me as much if I didn't keep that lie up, God. Now, Lord, what are the truths that you want to speak into my life about those areas? Just come right now. If you want to get down and kneel before God, I want you to spend time hearing his voice because he's speaking to you this morning. And he wants to tell you how powerful you are, how strong you are, how he believes in you, how in your worst times he's there with you and he's saying, just buckle into me. God, speak to your people right now, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Johnny's going to just kind of sing in the background. Don't stop praying. You want to hear your papa's voice to you. I don't care if nothing I said relates to you. God still has words of affirmation to speak over you this morning. Hear his voice. This has been a presentation of Streams Church in Litchfield Park, Arizona. Visit streamschurch.org for service times, general information, and more.